0: What up world? It's your pass-first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is the latest installment of the Locked on Blazers 2019-2020 season wrap-up. We're dedicating a full episode to every player on the roster, giving you a brief but thorough look at their season in Portland. We'll look at their performance this past season, review where they landed in terms of the best and worst case scenarios that I laid out way back a year ago at the start of training camp. And finally, we'll close the show in the third segment, looking ahead to the upcoming season and the role and expectations for the 2020-2021 season. This is our sixth installment of the season wrap-up, so if you've missed any, check out your podcast feeds. Today's episode is all about Mario Hazonia. Let's get into it. Hazonia appeared in 53 of the Blazers' 74 regular season games, including four starts in his first season with the team after he signed in free agency over the summer. He averaged 4.8 points, 3.5 rebounds, and just shy of one assist a game 0.9 0.9 for those of you scoring at home. He played 16.4 minutes a night while shooting 42.4% from the field and 30.8% from the three point line. He put up career lows in points, rebounds, and assists a game, and most notably, his permanent numbers in terms of shooting, excuse me, in terms of scoring and assists were the lowest of his five year career. He just played less, so his box score numbers were going to be less. He had more opportunity in stops at Orlando and New York. So, His per-minute numbers are maybe more damning because he didn't have the same level of production even with fewer minutes on the court. Hazonia racked up 16 DNPCDs. That's a did-not-play coach's decision and wasn't active for another five games. Not surprisingly, he put up better box score numbers when he was a starter, averaging 5.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 2.5 and assists a game in about 26 minutes in his four starts. One of those starts included an 11.12 rebound, 4 assists game, and a last-second home loss to Philly in November. Remember, that game was no Hassan Whiteside, no Joel Embiid, and Anthony Simons hit a would-be game winner, except Furkan Korkmaz came back and hit the actual game winner for Philly feel like that one tips the scales for a lot of people. A lot of people feel better than um, Hazonia and Anthony Simons if, if Furkan doesn't hit that three, but he did. Such is life. In February, Hazonia had 10-8-4 at the Orlando Magic. A nice performance against the team that drafted him fifth overall in the 2015 NBA draft. And the city where he makes his off-season home. A little bit of comfort in Orlando. Saw Hazonia have a nice game. Those were two of his ten games. That Philly game in November and the February game against the Magic. Two of his ten games, which he scored in double figures this season. Speaking of Orlando, Hazonia appeared in six of the Blazers' eight seeding games in the bubble. He averaged 5.2 points, 3.7 rebounds, and 1.3 assists. You'll recall he opened with that really nice half against the Memphis Grizzlies when he hit two three-pointers. He had eight points. He looked like a looked like he was going to be part of the plan. I think I did a whole segment about how maybe Hazonia can help on this very podcast. And then he fell out of favor not even two quarters into the games. He didn't play down the stretch against the Boston Celtics. He played less in the second half. against. He struggled in the second half against Memphis, and so he did not play in the second half of the next game because his leash got shorter, just 12 minutes against the Celtics. And then he picked up two DNPs back so where Terry Stotts wanted him to be, which was on the bench. So he did bounce back a little bit. He got back in the rotation after those two DMPs, and he was pretty solid in a win over Philly. Another late win over Philly? What is it about those Philadelphia 76ers that makes Mario Hazonia play so well? He had 12 and 7 in that game. 12 points and 7 boards. He was barely part of the rotation when the playoffs happened like he was good against memphis to help them win an important game he was good against philly to help them win an important game against a shorthanded philly team and then the playoffs started you know there's some nice seating game moments from mario hazonia but he was barely part of the rotation in the playoffs and he only got significant playing time in those two blowout losses games two and four other than that he wasn't part of the plan the uh lebron stopper moniker never never came came back for old hazonia so what do we make as long as we're looking back on the twenty nineteen twenty season? What do we make of Azonia's first year in Portland? To me, uh, it was an obvious disappointment. But I had, I think I'd set the expectations relatively low. Uh, the Blazers have this sort of history of maybe finding guys who were lottery picks and and molding them into high level contributors, or at least solid contributors. Think Mo Harkless or Yusuf Nurkic, both guys who went in the lottery and then were better here. But they also have, it doesn't always work that way. Think Wade Baldwin or uh, Georges Papagianis. It's some guys just were, were drafted too high and even the magic of the Blazers development system doesn't bring them back. Hazonia struggled to get a real role I think there's a lot of data that suggests now that we have just watching, and I'm talking about eyeball, eyeball eyeball-based data. We've watched this team enough to know that the sort of third ball handler next to Damon CJ is never a good idea. We'll talk about that in the second segment. Neither of those dudes want to give up the ball. And so having a guy who needs the ball in his hands like Cazonia isn't a great plan. He also just was prone to some boneheaded decisions. Uh, On the year, he had 50 assists and 42 turnovers. It feels like those numbers should be flip-flopped. And it wasn't just the turnovers. There was some really puzzling stuff, but it was just the when to shoot pull-up threes in transition, when to go one-on-two or one-on-three in transition. You know, there were moments where, and I've joked about this, is the Mario mindset, where he just decided, I'm better than these guys, and would, would get to the rim. Or at least attempt to get to the rim. A play that really stands out to me is the game against Brooklyn early in the season. You will recall this from the game where Dame scored 60 and the Blazers lost. Uh, it was a sort of an encapsulation of the Blazers' problems. Damian Loweard, very good. His teammates, not very good. But Mario Hazonia gets out on the break and smokes a wide-open, unguarded layup. It happens. People miss fast-break layups grabs the ball back and he kind of gets caught under the rim and he rim checks himself under the rim. He shoots un- he's kind of rushing cuz he knows that the defense is coming and he 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 just throws a unguarded layup into the underside of the rim and then he grabs the ball back and by then Jared Allen has raced down the floor the net center and Mario Hazonia tries to get the ball over him you know, he's recovered it right under the rim. He's he's within two feet of the basket and tries to get the ball over Jared Allen, and he gets blocked. And Mario Hazonia indeed, smoked three layups on one possession. Now, that's just uh, maybe a mean joke by me, but the thing I also really remember about this season for Hazonia is that he was the guy that Terry Stotts chose to yell at. Seems that uh, every year, Stotts chooses a guy that he feels like he can be hard on, so he doesn't... Um, you know, screaming at Damon, CJ, isn't going to work. Those dudes have an outsized role and they're going to play a ton of minutes and yelling at them just isn't effective. So Stotts usually picks a role player to scream at. In the past, it had been Myers Leonard who had an incredibly sort of short short margin for error and that if he screwed up, uh, Terry was going to yell at him and yank him from the game. And Mario Hazonia took over that role this season. If you ever close enough to, hear, to the court to hear Terry coaching, Boy, did Mario get it. He was the guy that Terry chose to yell at. A real bummer. No one likes their superiors at work or even their equals at work to yell at them. On the whole, Hazonia had spots where he showed that he might, could be competent and then a whole lot of nights where he showed that he is maybe a lost cause. In the second segment, I want to come back and talk about his best case and worst case scenarios that I laid out a year ago, back in September, heading into training camp. I did these for every player on the roster. They're kind of um, just arbitrary polls where I said, this is the best case scenario for their season. This is the worst case scenario for season. And we'll look back at that and see where Hazonia landed. All right. So we talked about Mario Hazonia's 2019-2020 season. It was mostly not good. There were moments where he looked like he could be playable and useful, and a lot of moments where he proved he wasn't. What I want to do now is look back even further, before his season started, before he played 53 games for the Blazers. In training camp last year, I laid out the best case and worst case scenarios for everyone on the roster. These are admittedly arbitrary polls I set, just based on my own personal expectations and you know where guys would land best case scenario if they if they had their absolute best season and where they'd have where their worst case scenario season would wind up so i want to play you that now and then we'll discuss where where rio landed based on predictions from michael from the past the best case for mario zonia is that he's croatian evan turner and that might sound like an insult but i mean like the Idealized, platonic ideal version of Evan Turner, who could guard power forwards, be a creative facilitator on the other end, as someone who's like a point forward who can offer something defensively. Um, the best version of Mario Vizonia lets Anthony Simons and CJ McCollum play off the ball in the second unit and holds his own enough against opposing power forwards that he earns regular playing time in crunch time units when the Blazers need to go small. Uh, The best-case scenario, Mario Hazonia wins the backup power forward spot in camp and plays well enough to stick as an every-night player at both forward spots as a ball-handling hybrid. I think the best case for Mario Hazonia is that he really is what the Blazers thought Evan Turner was going to be. A guy who could take pressure off the their their guards um you know i think i think we have enough evidence to say that the blazers are better when damon sees you have the ball in their hands um but I, I do think we also have enough evidence to say the blazers could use more creators it's maybe not the that early initiator but it's someone who you could give the ball to and they could run a side pick and roll as a secondary action or you could just you know every fifth time down the floor uh if if Damon CJ can't, you know, immediately get a high pick and roll, then you run some some sort of weak side stuff for Hazonia where he has the ability to create it and is a creative enough passer um, to find the Blazers' two best players as they space opposite him. But part of me thinks that the best case, Mario Hazonia, really hinges on whether he can he can defend. Um, if he can guard fours or at least just not get bullied by opposing power forwards, backup power forwards specifically, I think the best case is, clo- is, e- is much easier to attain. If he struggles defensively, I think we're, te- we're trending towards the worst case scenario. And for me, the worst case scenario for Mario Hazonia is that he's the Croatian Evan Turner. And that might sound like an insult, and that's mostly because it is. The worst-case scenario for Hazonia is what Turner became. Obviously, Hazonia's not making $17, $19 million a year, but the 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 basketball fit outside of the financial stuff could still flare up in the ways that things flared up for Evan Turner. Hazonia is a career 32% three-point shooter, and there's a the worst-case scenario follows a line where Hazonia's lack of shooting makes him a brutal, brutal fit next to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and him needing the ball in his hands to thrive just means less time when the Blazers' best players are operating as true threats, and more time when they're just spacing on the wing. I think we kind of saw that with Evan Turner. The Blazers tried a a bunch of different things to get him to work as a point guard. You know, they found a couple, but it was more like pick a spot where it worked as opposed to it working consistently for any long period of time. There were moments when Evan Turner as a point guard was valuable. There were moments when Evan Turner as a point forward were valuable. There were a lot more moments when he was a terrible fit next to the Blazers' two best players. I think the worst case for Mario Zonia is something like that. Thank you, Michael, from the past. I think the bad news is that Mario Hazonia was the Croatian Evan Turner, and not the good one. Hazonia's best moments came when the Blazers let him initiate the offense. They said, you're going to play power forward, and you're going to dribble the ball up the court with the second unit. That was when he was at his best, but his, also his most frustrating moments came when he was given the, the leeway to make those decisions, had the ball in his hands, and his decision-making was poor, either some... Bad choices to make shots, trying to force passes, trying to, you know, get guys, by, get by guys with athleticism that he just simply doesn't possess. The real knock on Hazonia for me is that the Blazers signed him to a minimum deal, uh, you know, a, a minimum deal with an option to pick it up for the for a, a second season. We'll talk about that in the third segment. And then they needed him to play much better than a minimum guy. Now, every year someone on a minimum contract has to play. It's the nature of having two stars. It's, the, it's just the nature of, of having a back half of the rotation is that you have to have cheap players that contribute. But the Blazers kind of treated Mario like he would be this, you know, this distant option. And then he played early on. He played in the first half of the first game. In fact, he was part of the plan basically from the beginning. He played in the first 16 games for the Blazers. So he was given an opportunity, and perhaps he was just given an outsized role on this team. I thought he would be battling Anthony Tolliver for who plays as the ninth guy off the bench. In fact, Cezonia was part of the plan early, maybe had an outsized role because he was better in training camp behind closed doors than we saw. But when the lights came on, when the season started, he, he didn't earn that role. And in fact, after Zach Collins went down, the Blazers ended up signing Carmelo Anthony in large part because Mario Hazonia wasn't ready to step into that role as a veteran. In fact, that week before the Mellow signing happened, Nazir Little was playing a lot of minutes of power forward, and not because the Blazers had some like sort of hope for this young rookie, but because he was legitimately their best option on defense. In theory, Hazonia was supposed to bring these offensive skills that would maybe outweigh some of his defensive shortcomings and would add just sort of a creative wrinkle that other guys don't add at his size because he is big, no doubt about it. A real six foot eight and probably, you know, 230 pounds. But instead, the Blazers had to go get Carmelo Anthony off the street, who ended up being a very, very clearly better option despite his shortcomings. And for my money, I would have rather seen Nazir Little get those minutes or maybe even Wenyan Gabriel at the end of the year. Hazonio's positives just never shone bright enough to outweigh any of his negatives or outshine. I should stick with the metaphor a little bit longer. Come on, Michael. Outshine any of his negatives. This might feel like piling on and unnecessary, But Hazonia wasn't good. I don't know how to say it any other way. If we're getting back to that worst-case scenario I laid out, he shot 30% from three. And he wasn't a particularly good fit next to the Blazers' stars, which is in some ways a fault of their skill sets not meshing and the Blazers not really reading that, but it's also a fault of Hazonia's sort of limited ability to adapt. He was a Croatian Evan Turner, and I don't mean that in a good way. In the third segment, Let's talk about what's next for Hazonia. Will he be back on the team? What we can expect from him if there is a year two in Portland? But before I do that, I want to tell y'all about Bill Bar. You know, Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. That's right. It's even more deliciouser than when I told you about it in the past because Bill Bar has revamped their already fantastic protein bar, and it comes in eighteen amazing flavors. That's the 12 originals plus six new flavors that they've busted out. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Yeah, you got to get your hands on these. All their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're great candy bar like texture, soft and easy to chew. But in addition to being delicious, they're also nutritious. A wonderful option for the health conscious among us because they're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Doesn't that sound like a pretty good deal? Well, here's the even better deal. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's a promo code LOCKEDON, L O C K E D O N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. And we're still talking about Mario Hazonia, his season wrap up. We looked. Back at his 2019-2020 season, we revisited his best case and worst case scenarios. Turns out your boy was Croatian Evan Turner. Not the good kind. But now it's time to look ahead. What's next for Mario Hazonia? Well, here are the basics. He has a player option he can exercise for about $1.9 million next season. If he wants to be back on the team, he will be. And... My gut here is that Mario Azonia exercises that player option and returns. He's playing for basically the league minimum. I'm not sure right now. In fact, I'm, I'm fairly certain right now that's a that's what his market value is in the NBA. Is that he's a minimum level player, a guy who's going to be signing for a little bit of money and trying to earn a role on a team? I, he's you know, and this will be his sixth year in the NBA, and I don't think he has had enough flashes where people would invest more than a minimum salary in him so it's not like he is going he could go he could decline this player option and go out and and get more money Uh, there is not a scenario in which he declines this player option and signs back to the Blazers for a longer term or bet or or higher money deal if he wants to be on the team he picks up this 1.9 million dollars and returns and my gut is that he will because familiarity with not having to learn a new system not having to uh Earn the trust of a new coach, not that he earned the trust of Terry Stotts, but not not having to start from square one with a new organization and a new coaching staff likely appeals to Hazonia. He can come back here on a team that fancies itself being good. He knows the system. He can kind of start a couple steps ahead than beginning at square one. And so I think that has some appeal. I think Hazonia comes back. The question is, what is his role? If you consider what the Blazers Roster when healthy will look like next season, it's hard for me to see Mario Hazonia playing a regular role. You're going to have Dame, CJ, when healthy, Rodney Hood. Let's just assume the season starts late enough that Rodney Hood is back. Rodney Hood at the three, Zach Collins at the four, Yusuf Nurkic at the five. There's a chance maybe Carmelo Anthony sneaks in there, but you can bet on Trevor Ariza being back, Anthony Simons being back, Gary Trent Jr. being back. Nazir Little a year year ahead in his development. If Melo is back, I think there's absolutely no way that Hazonia is part of the regular rotation, and if he isn't, I even think there's a chance that he's on the outside. Mostly because the Blazers have some clear holes. They have to get better at the four. And Hazonia, even though that was his best position this season, he didn't prove that he deserves that opportunity. Maybe he wins it in training camp. Maybe he wins it during the regular season. Maybe he can can get back there and reclaim that spot as that backup point forward, you know, uh, multi-talented power forward type role. But I can't imagine heading into a season where he is a better option, even at 36-year-old Trevor Ariza. I can't imagine he's a better option than Ariza at either the three or the four. I can't imagine he's a better option than Rodney Hood at the three or Rodney Hood as a small ball four. A... uh, Hood, Hood, you will recall, for the first two and a half games, played a little bit of small ball four next to Zach Collins in closing lineup. So you could see the Blazers go back to something like that. Uh, obviously, if Carmelo comes back, the Blazers are going to carve out a big minute role for him, or at least a significant minute role for him, and Hazonia is, is on the outside. And frankly, that's fine. I think you could do worse than a guy outside of the rotation who's Mario Hazonia, Uh like i said he's big he, you know 6'8 230 he he's he's big enough to to guard nba guys he's he's physically um ready he's not he's not it is not adding a rookie who you say well you know he's if if he adds a little bit to his frame and then he'll be able to guard hazonia is physically ready to compete against nba players his limitations are skill based so if you have the sort of break the glass emergency forward on the end of your bench i think you can do worse than mario hazonia you can certainly do better than him too but i if you're considering the options i think you even if you get a better sort of minimum vet on the end of the bench that they're only going to be marginally better than, than hazonia if if i had my choice I don't think I would bring Hazonia back. Uh, I don't think he's a high-level NBA contributor. I think his future is being a star in Europe. Uh, He came over here from FC Barcelona. I think he's one of those guys that proves the line between NBA contributor and star in Europe is very thin. He's not quite an NBA contributor, but he's probably skilled enough to be a very good player in the second-best league in the world, in the Spanish ACB League. But that's not how it works. He has a player option. The Blazers don't get to decide. Mario Hazonia gets to decide. And just reading the tea leaves and looking at the sort of at the market that will be out there for Hazonia I assume he will be back so get ready for year two of Rio he'll probably be the Croatian Evan Turner again maybe this time the good version did that sound confident did I did I sway you there at the end I probably did you're convinced yeah he's the good version Croatian Evan Turner y'all he's back that's gonna do it for today's episode this is our sixth installment of the season wrap-ups, so if you've missed any, check back in your podcast feed. These are also wonderful, wonderful episodes to share with your friends because they're just evergreen content. They're going to be sitting there for months as valuable recaps of the Blazers' situation, of looking back at 2019-20, assessing what the roster might look like when the season starts again, whenever that may be. So share these with people who like the Blazers. It's a wonderful time, even if it's a strange off-season, it's a wonderful time to get on board. Just tell them to search for Lockdown Blazers wherever they already get podcasts. We'll be there waiting for you. We got more season wrap-ups coming next week. We're going to do a mailbag Monday. You can probably guess when what day of the week that'll be, but it'll be Monday. You can get involved by t- by tweeting at me, at Mike Rich, or emailing me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.